Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. It's your host, Cole, of the Steel Guitar Podcast, coming back again with another episode of the songs that made country music what it is, right? The country classics. And we had a recommendation from my friend Blake the last time he was on the podcast. Uh, Actually, I think he will be on the podcast pretty soon as we just went to a concert and he wants to talk about it. I wasn't necessarily planning an episode about talking about that. He wanted to do one, so we're going to do it. So uh, look forward to that and the uh, actual uh, evaluation of how his perspective of it is and what thing, what I'm going to do with my version of it is I'm going to I'm going to record it separate. So I'm going to have my portion before his, and I'm going to really let him speak and talk about him himself and how the music actually influenced him. And I'll add a few viewpoints and stuff to, in his uh, perspective, but I want it to mainly be him because I think that one thing that the other podcasts that me and him did, we did a good job of talking about the concert itself, but I felt like I was overstepping and talking him a little bit, which was not my intent because I very much would like to let my guests do all the speaking. It's just the way that Zoom works, there's like a, a lag between when you actually talk and when it actually shows up so I'd see him move and talk sometimes and I would react to it before it even comes out so it seemed like I was jumping the gun a little bit so we're going to do a little bit better job with that so we're going to really let him just speak to how the music impacted him which I think will be a really cool conversation especially when we get to talk about some of the songs that were played and how it actually he has an insight on some of that. So, anyways, today we are going to go through one of the most classic songs in the 90s, released in 95. And uh, this song, I would say that it is probably one of the most popular country songs in regards to the uh, classic country music stations. There's not very much of a time where you won't hear this song come on the radio and be played. Not every single hour by any means, but you will hear it at least once a day if you listen to the whole entire day of the country radio, right? And this song has pretty much been a love song for a lot of people in their lives, especially those lovers that started fairly fairly early in life, so like high school, middle school, elementary school, and... No matter the trials and tribulations, you guys are still together. And honestly, if you are listening to this and you are that, I respect you so much. Um, There's a lot of stuff that goes on throughout our life. A lot of turmoil. And I know it's not necessarily been easy to be around the same person the whole entire lifespan that you've been around in this world. Walking this earth, driving on this earth, flying on this earth, whatever you do. And I would just applaud you for that because it's not easy being with the same person all the time. And I'm not talking about marriage in general because marriage in general is is tough. I'm talking about the people that have been not necessarily just married for a long time but have known each other for a longer time than they've been married, loved each other a long time before they got married. I respect you and I applaud you. I really do. So here's to you. And this song, I would say, is a song that was created with you in mind. So we are going to, voice crack, we are going to analyze 
and talk about, not too deeply because there's not a lot of uh, craziness when it comes to the song. It's very baseline, and that's one of the coolest things about country music is it can be super baseline or it can be extremely deep. So, on the surface value, this song is not that deep. However, it holds a very deep and true theme of love, which is one of the pillars of country music, in my opinion. So, are you guys ready to talk about Check, Yes or No by George Strait? Here we go. Woo! Alright, Check, Yes or No came out as a single, first of all, in September of 1995, right? And it was the lead single in the box set of the same year, Straight Out of the Box, which is a funny wordplay. It's actually spelled straight. Or straight's last name spelled S-T-R-A-I-T. And that actually is a joke between me and Blake. Sometimes when we are talking about like straight up, we'll always spell it out like George Strait. It's kind of our little dumb little joke. In addition, in 1996, it was released on the United Kingdom's version of Blue Clear Sky. So it was released on that album in the United Kingdom. I guess maybe it was a late edition to uh, to the, well, it was the lead single of the American version of the box, but maybe it didn't come out, the American, the American, the box set didn't come out in the United Kingdom, so therefore he tackled it on the 1996 Blue Clear Sky album. So, we all know the story of the song. Like, it's a very, if anybody's listened to country music and has listened to, like, country classic radio station, has an appreciation of country music, most people know the song. Even people that are overseas, apparently, of course, it being released in the United Kingdom, which is really cool. So, we're going to talk about the ones who actually made the song what it is. So, we're going to start with the two songwriters. And we're going to start with Dana Hunt. This is, this is her, I believe it's her first name and her middle name. I think the, the accreditations now says Dana Hunt Black. But I didn't want to misspeak because you never know what goes on in people's life. So I'm just going to refer it to as her first and her middle name. And she was the one who initially had the chorus memorized in her head by the time she moved to Nashville, Music City. And she had it for a whole year in her mind to herself. And then eventually in a songwriting session in the ASCAP office, which is the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. They essentially kind of arrange when a song is played. So whenever one song is played on the radio... The user doesn't have to pay the copyright holder, so the radio station doesn't have to pay necessarily like George Strait, the writers, and the writer or and musician doesn't have to build the radio station when it plays. So it's like a mutual compromise between being able to play. So it's a really good way for you to get your single out there, your songs out there, and not have to sit there and like, hey, you got to buy this radio station, or you have to buy this song for the radio station. No, it's just that agreement where it's a good publicity, I would say. And Dana actually, she actually shared her ideas, and the two crafted the song, and the second guy being Mr. Danny Wells. And this song was crafted out of that session. And of course, this song is known to be one of the most I would say greatest love songs in country music. Uh, it's definitely in the top 20. I mean, I, I a lot of people say this would be number one. So it just depends on what your opinion of love is, I would say. And this song 
definitely was what you would think to be one of the greatest achievements by both artists. However, you might be mistaken on that. So, also, before I go too far, you can actually hear the demo version of this song. So the original song on the original Songwriters Demos, Volume 2, it's the first track on Volume 2. However, I would recommend looking at Volume 1 as well. It's really cool to look at like songs like The Dance, When Tomorrow Never Comes, as the songwriters intended it to be, and see how it was eventually crafted into the song that it came to be when you listen to it by Garth and George and other people. So, very interesting thing. So, one thing that I will say is Dana actually had a lot of songs with George Strait. I believe six or five of the six songs that she ever wrote were for George Strait, and her number one song was not Check Yes or No. That was her number two. Number one was Write This Down, penned as her number one single in songwriting, and honestly, I feel like that's my favorite George Strait song, is Write This Down. It's one of my favorites. Um, it's between that and, uh, I don't know, honestly. That's pretty high up there. So Give It Away or Troubadour. That's probably my top three for sure. I love Troubadour. And You Haven't Left Me Yet is another song that she also helped pen. And then Good Night by Susie Boggess was her number four. So, and then she had a Christmas single with George Stray as well. As you know, my opinion on Christmas music is not necessarily my favorite, right? Alright. And then we're going to talk about Danny Wells, of course. So, These Days by Rascal Flats is his number one. So, he actually had a pretty good writing stint with Rascal Flats. You got These Days, Why You Love Me, This Everyday Love. And he also had Couldn't Last a Moment by Colin Ray. Check Yes or No was definitely in those top five, but it was definitely Rascal Flats. I guess, put how popular they were on the radio in the 2000s, because my gosh, man, I remember the 2000s. Rascal Flats always played. It was super popular. But he also helped other artists like Confederate Railroad, Craig Morgan, Sarah Evans, and John Michael Montgomery, and even Wade Hayes. So he's wrote for a lot of individuals, right? And this kind of brings up an interesting concept, right? Because I was, I mean, genuinely curious, right? I went to George Strait's uh, music page where you can look at all of the albums, everything that he's come out with, and you can see every single song written or who it was written by and everything. And I went to see how many singles has George Strait actually wrote, right? How many songs that he's actually produced that ended up being, I guess, majorly acclaimed, accredited, whatever. And he has a grand slopping five songs that he's helped write. That's crazy to me because everybody talks about George Strait and about all these number one songs, right? He is one of the most popular radio legends of all time. There's a lot of people that consider him the king of country music. And it's hard to argue with, you know, all the number one hits that he's had. In regards to, I guess, accreditation, I would say he has to be one of the kings of country music. However, I don't necessarily put him on my Mount Rushmore, which you will see eventually. 
Um, I don't know. His influence in country music is definitely there too, but I just don't know about making him the king of country music because some people will say like Bob Willis is still the king, you know. Um, people will say Johnny Cash is the king of country music. There's a whole big argument in that, and I'm not getting into that. But when it comes to George Strait, all the number one hits, I believe all, I don't even know if it's 50 yet, but it was definitely in the 40s. Um, he is, he's, uh, been pretty popular, right? I think that he's probably definitely going to have a hard, hard time of anybody ever reaching the number one hits that he has. I guess if you really want to think about it, I guess Morgan Wallen or Luke Combs or people like that would probably have the best chance. Anyways, <laughs> I would say that, you know, we're straight in regards to publication, number one hits, he's definitely got to be up there for number ones and being the king of country music. However, when you look at my opinion on how songwriting is important, He's kind of like a contradiction of that because he's a very good country singer. However, he didn't write the majority of his songs. So it definitely has this weird point on me where I'm like, I like George Strait. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I don't like George Strait, Garth Brooks, and people like that. But when it comes to sitting here and being like, well, George Strait didn't write his song, so therefore under my whole evaluation of how country music's bad today, how did George Strait survive the 90s? And that's because he was surrounded by a whole bunch of influential writers that were country, I would assume. So therefore, the ones that are modern day that are writing, that are not the actual country stars, have a hard time writing Therefore, they go to other artists who are in different genres who write songs for them, so it kind of transgresses that line. I don't know. I'm not in the music industry. I'm not sitting there in Nashville. I don't have a freaking clue. This is just all speculation. I'm sitting here in a gun room surrounded by uh, a record player, some Dallin Hart senior clocks, some late model photos of my uncle, a gun safe, a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not in a Nashville producer's lounge. I have no clue what goes on in the grand scheme of things. And honestly, I, I really wouldn't want to because I know there's good people out in Nashville. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not crapping on people in Nashville. And This is a general scope of the music industry, music row, of being kind of, you know, non-authentic, right? So I don't know in the grand scheme of things. However, I will say that when it comes to this song by George Strait, I would say it's definitely a classic, a country classic, and you can't really discredit it based upon where the songwriting accreditations are. These two that wrote the song obviously are country because I don't know. It's just it's one of those songs in ninety five so it's like in that transitional period of the nineties to the two thousands, but it's still, in my mind, the original country music. Now, a lot of people, this is another point that I'll bring up and then I'll try to move on because I'm not going to sit here and talk about this song for too long because it's very baseline. It's a very baseline love song. I'll read some of the lyrics and stuff like that, but 
beyond that, there's really nothing here to evaluate, right? There's not too much to sit here and be like, this deep song mean or this deep meaning of this lyric is talking about no that is very much a very baseline song so a lot of people claim that george Strait ruined country music right and i don't care what either i don't care either side of this argument right i think that what ruined country music has nothing to do with the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, the 2020s, the 2030s, the 2040s, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s, the 1830s. It don't matter to me. It's not what ruined country music. What ruins country music is when we start to blur the line of the genre, right? It's not the people on Music Row. It's not the people... Well, it kind of is the people on Music Row, but... Is not necessarily Music Row as an entity itself. It's the people that want to blur the line between country rap and country, and now they're becoming essentially one, right? You're, you're getting to the point of, like, I don't know, it's like a juggling, right? You're sitting there juggling all these balls, and there are multiple genres, and eventually you're going to drop these balls because unless you're, like, a master juggler, you're not going to be able to sit there infinitely and just sit there and no you can't do it you're going to drop one eventually and when you drop one another one's going to drop and this juggling act is essentially us trying to not necessarily maintain the country sound but just being country and when you drop one of those balls we'll say the floor is like the grand scheme of all the genres it sits there and melds with all the other genres I don't know, that might be a kind of a weird uh, analogy, but I speak in analogies. It's, my, it's basically my only way of speaking because I am dumb dumb. Me, coconut head, as I literally knock my head like a coconut. So, uh, I don't know in the grand scheme of things. However, I think that George Strait did not ruin country music. I think that, I don't know... I would say the radio and music row essentially would have done it in, but it's not the true cause of it. It's not people like Oliver Anthony, who's just blown up, right? This amazing artist, this traditionalist artist who has that soul, that grit, and people like that are starting to make the uprise. This neo-traditional, this new movement of traditional-style country music it's making an up-climb, and people are caring about it more. I can't say that you can't like both, and you can't just like one, but the way that I view it is I just like this one because I view it more traditional style. But when you got songs like this that are reaching the number one who has not had a major, like a major publishing company, a major record label behind him, that's stunning to see. That's a... Uh, most definitely something really cool to see and something I would like to explore in a new episode because I am seeing a, I don't know, I'm seeing this revival. It's funny, the Outsiders Revival Tour, you know, that I went to see Jinx and church, whatever. It's honestly kind of a thing. If we're sitting here and we're talking about this, just in me, you, listening to me, it's coming. It really is. And... I'm really happy about it, but I don't know how it's going to affect the mainstream media, but when it comes to people listening to what they like, it's making a comeback, and I'm really happy about it, and it's really cool to see artists 
that are, you know, just holding their own. And I'll be very interested to see how the artists that are in the mainstream adapt. Do they start releasing covers of old country songs trying to ride this popular wave? Or are they going to try to stay into their own realm? It's going to be interesting to see. So I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that it it changes the country music scape so people like Josh Morningstar, who have been underappreciated their whole career, will be able to get a chance where people will actually listen to his music Listen to Cody's music, listen to Ward's music, listen to people like Oliver Anthony and other people that are out there just doing their own thing and really, truly appreciate who they are. But that's enough of that rant. We are talking about check yes or no. And check yes or no, like I said, the lyrical aspect of it, super, super baseline. I I can't sit here and evaluate. So... Essentially, it's talking about the first time that this whole love thing started was in third grade. And there was this girl in his class, and he, he noticeably knows her pink dress, a matching bow with her ponytail. And then it talks about how they kissed on the school bus, and it wasn't necessarily a mutual kiss. She, like, smooshed him on the cheek and was like, don't tell nobody. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to start chasing around the playground. As boys do, because you know how we show our love when we're little? We're like, we're going to chase you around and act like a villain. (laughs) I mean, that's how you do it as a little kid. If you like somebody, you chase somebody, right? And that kind of bites most people in the butt once we get older because they're like, chasing is not right. You're not supposed to do that. But I guess that's just the natural instinct of guys is for us to chase Females, I don't know. And talking about the monkey bars and merry-go-round, talking about those independent variables of being, you know, a kid back in the day. You know, you don't see many kids sitting there doing the pull-ups on the monkey bars anymore. They're more or less sitting on their tablets playing their games or whatever. And there was this thing, right? And I guess the equivalent of it would be like if you're texting a class today, if you're a kid and you have a phone when you're three years old, a tablet or whatever, and you're texting, you know, somebody across the classroom, and the teacher sees this and they pick it up. Back then, it used to be sticky notes. That used to be the cool thing. And this note, or you know, notebook paper, whatever, this note got caught as it was being passed to the individual, the songwriter, or George Strait in this instance, and the note got taken, but he was able to read. And this note, right, this note read, essentially, check yes or no. And that's a reference to being, you know, when you used to pass these notes out, you would have a yes or no box. Like, would you go on a date with me, yes or no? And you would check yes or no. And this is even a high school thing back then. So, it's a really, it's a really kiddish love song. But then you get to the second stanza. It has a national transgression to when they're grown-ups, right? And he says, now we're grown up and she's my wife. So first line, like, okay, think. Third grade to whenever they're married. So you could say that this first line, if you read it, they're married. They could have just been started, right? But still like two kids with stars in our eyes. Ain't much change. I chase, chase, I still chase Emmy Lou up and down the hall around the bed in our room. Last night, I took her out in a white limousine. 20 years together, she still gets to me. 
So, not only have they been married for, you know, just till, you know, they got married. No, they've been married for 20 years. So, third grade, I'll say, I don't know, natural instincts, five, six, we'll say they're seven to eight years old, right? They've been married for a long freaking time, 20 years, and they've known each other for longer than that. Like, we'll say 32 years, right? They're like 40 or so, and that's crazy to me because that is the like a longevity of a marriage, and that's what a lot of people aspire to be. And some people are not able to get that, and that is perfectly fine because being around the same person that long is not necessarily easy. There's those bumps and everything, but in this perfect realm of this song, they are still together in the way that they used to be kids. Like, they're still playful in nature. They chase around each other. They're 20 years old, or they've been married for 20 years. This is like the white picket fence. This is the range that you want to live on. This is like your dream if you want to be married to somebody. This is the true love that most of us are chasing or are already at. And yours might not be that white picket fence. It may not be that range. It may be something else. But it's one of those things where if you have it, that is something that you cannot trade for the world. That is something that is you're very lucky to have. And a lot of people would be jealous of you having it. When you are going through a rough patch, just go up to your wife, hug her, let her know that you love her, and... You know, just be thankful because not every day is promised. And some people say, "I want to live my song. Like, I want to live my life like a country song." Well, if there's one country song that you want to live your life after, this one's a pretty good one, in my opinion. But if you just like to go out there and break hearts too, that's a whole different thing. But I digress. So the second stanza is really talking about. It's crazy that they all started with this this little tiny note, right? Talking about how much they love each other in this, in this classroom. I don't know. It's just one of those crazy things. And the way that the song is crafted musically, it just matches. There's no... It's all upbeat. Like, it's definitely one of those songs that you want to grab your lady to and dance to. You cut it on the hallway, and you just kind of slow dance to it. You kind of do whatever you want to with it, I guess. But this is definitely one of those songs where I'm sitting here like, you know what, I like this song, and the reason I like this song is because it's genuine. It's what people would want, and also in the grand scheme of things, it's beautifully crafted because, you know, love is beautiful. It really is. And uh, if anybody is in love, or has been in love, or just lost love, everybody knows this. That love is beautiful. So, And I'm not necessarily just talking about, you know, romantic love. Just love in general. So, thank you guys so much for listening to the Country Classic Series with your boy, Cole. So, this is the part where it gets boring, right? I sit here and I'm like, alright guys, I want you to check the link tree out in the description and look at all the stuff that I got on there. And No, I just always tell people that in case they're interested. The merch is on there. I never sit here and preach about the merch, so...
I just, it's, it's there. If you want to sit there and support me in other ways other than just, of course, listening, which is never, never, like, please do this, I need you to do this. No, it's just there. It really is. And that, that's basically me. I'm just here. I'm just here for a good time, not for a long time. Ha! George Strait reference. Knee slapper. No, I, I just genuinely like to... It's kind of funny. I like to buy my own stuff and then wear it out and be able to just sit there and be like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm proud of what I'm doing right now. And uh, that's that's why I got it. So I appreciate all of you guys for listening. Of course, if you haven't already, please send me an email. Please. Just... I can't talk to you guys enough about how much feedback is for me. I really appreciate it. And just hearing, you know, one person talk about their general evaluation of how the podcast is going, suggestions and other stuff is great. I really enjoy it, and I wish more people would send me emails. I've gotten one email so far, and that's not saying, you know, I'm not grateful for the one that I got, because the one that I got was, you know, this is something where, have you ever done something in your life where it's like a passion project, and you sit there, and you've been doing it for a while, if it's a painting, if you're a mechanic, and you're working on like a a project, a restoration, right? And you're sitting there and you really just get to the point of being burned out and you see something like a video of someone that has a really cool car and you're like, man, I'm almost there. And it really kicks you in the butt. It really gets you going and starting you back to where you're at. That's what that email was for me. It meant so much because this podcast, yes, it doesn't take as much time as like video editing and stuff that I've done in the past. However, I do go back and try to make it sound like I'm not that much of an idiot because I am. <laughs> I have to cover it up pretty well because sometimes I will stutter. I will sit here and I'll name a song like, I don't know. I'll be like, I really like the George Strait song of, uh, 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 oh no, I've forgotten it. And I will look it up, 50 seconds of pause, and I'm like, you know what, cut cut, boom, fix, but I forget stuff, I am human, and, you know, everybody loses a little bit of passion, and everybody loses a little bit of sanity sometimes, but sometimes it just takes the right person and the right thing to kick us in the butt to get going, and that email's what did it for me, and I really appreciate Sean and his opinion and his suggestion. And, uh, yeah, it's been a heck of a ride. 27 episodes, 28 episodes, depending on which one of these comes out first. Maybe 29. It's uh, really hard to say. And, uh, guys, I appreciate you guys and gals for being here with me on this ride. Uh, Cheers to you. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I appreciate everything that you do for me, every listening, every talk about. Share with your friends if you know, you know someone that likes country music and you think that this podcast is a, you know, semi-interesting podcast, share it with your friends, let them know how and what I'm doing over here, and if you think that they would like what I'm putting out, suggest it, maybe they'll find a deeper appreciation for the music that they love, because I know I am every single day I do this podcast, and that's one thing that really keeps me going is... Being able to sit here and talk about my country music, learn more about it, learn about the songwriters, the people that are actually behind the scenes that you never learn about if you don't look it up, and 
you know, the people that are, you know what, keeping country music alive, just like us. Peace, love, and chicken grease. <laughs>